Hey everyone, welcome to Schoolhouse, where we believe every parent has what it takes to help their child learn. We're here to give you practical tips and encouragement so you can be a confident learning coach. This is the space where school and house meet. I'm your co-host, Mary Stackhouse, and I'm joined by our host, Dr. Erica Carr, and today is the first of a two-part series that we're calling Overcoming Overwhelm. Erica, why two parts for this topic? We're all still experiencing the effects of last year, right? And students and parents, um, they have anxiety about school and learning. Mm -hmm. That has not gone away. Uh, And quite frankly, school can be overwhelming to some people in normal circumstances. Right, right. So we're going to break this down into two episodes. So this first episode is all about coaching students to overcome overwhelm. And then the next episode will be just for parents. This is going to be good. I have a feeling these episodes are going to be powerful for those families experiencing feelings of being overwhelmed, which so many have. So now we've invited a guest to join us for this two-part series. Erica, why don't you tell us a little bit about our guest? Absolutely. I'm so excited to have Robin Matarazzo join us at the schoolhouse. So Robin is a licensed social worker and certified school social worker in the Revere Public Schools in Massachusetts. She also specializes in support of families who are new to the U.S. and with children in U.S. schools for the first time. She's a wealth of knowledge, and I cannot wait to learn from her. So Robin, welcome to the schoolhouse. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right, Robin. So this year has posed its challenges for many of us, obviously. Um, And we're in a new year now and, you know, things are a little bit different, but for the most part, people are still experiencing um, some hard circumstances. So can you just paint the picture of what school looks like this year? Sure. Um, And I think, you know, I'll, I'll probably try primarily to speak to the district in which I work. Um, But as a parent, my own children are in a different district. And so their experience has been a little bit different. Um, And so I think it's worth mentioning just because not every district is doing the same thing, obviously. And so um, different students and different families are having different experiences. But in regards to where I work um, in Revere, we have uh, a fully remote model for our students. Our teachers and staff are going in three days a week, but the students are fully remote. And so, you know, that has posed a number of different challenges, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I think primarily what students are experiencing as their classroom experience is, you know, a mixture of live instruction and then what is called asynchronous learning, which really means kind of learning independently by doing work that is um, on their computers in applications like Google Classroom. So sort of like homework, um, Mm -hmm. but it's for class as well. (laughs) Um, So they have sort of a combination of those things. It does really require them to work independently and not all students have those skills quite yet. And it also requires them to have reliable access to internet service, which is also something that we see many families struggle with. Man, that's, you're exactly right. So, um, and you're in the high school. Yep. What about the younger grades? What are you seeing and hearing in that area? In the district where I live, which is in a town called Danvers, Massachusetts, um, we have, you know, we have a mixed model. So we have hybrid available for those families who are interested. Um, And I mean, a lot of what I'm hearing from other parents um, is frustration, I think, about for the younger students, especially feeling unable to help them with those times when they're, when they're required to work somewhat independently, um, either because they're working outside of the home or because they're working inside the home and it's hard to balance work 
and helping your child with their classroom. Yeah. And I myself have had that, that experience as well with my own children who are school-aged. I have a middle schooler and an elementary-aged student. I think that's a big challenge for parents. Um, and I think for students, for sure, it's, it's you know, they're, they're often more engaged when they have live instruction, but those students uh, in my, where I live um, who are doing hybrid, the days that they are remote, there is not a lot of live instruction. And that's different from one dis- district to the next, right. but that's what we're experiencing. And so it's hard those remote days because so much of what they have to do is on their own. So how are students handling this? Because you know this episode is going to be all about the student perspective yeah. um, and some tips that we can give parents to help the students. And then we'll yeah. then we'll dive into like <laughs> what about the parents right. themselves who are overwhelmed? And you just described it really well in terms of you know if they're not having direct instruction, they may not know exactly what to do. So what else, how, how are they doing in this uh, atmosphere? You know, I think there's a lot of stress and anxiety at, you know, the high school level, you know, especially for those who are in the upper level grades, you know, they're worried about college. They're worried about, you know, being able to, to be prepared for that and to have grades that show that they're prepared to go to college and, and to be admitted to the colleges that they want to go to um, because it's so much different to do work remotely. And some of them are really struggling because they have other responsibilities. So I have students who help out at home with younger siblings. I have students who work to support themselves or to support their families. I have students, obviously many students with, you know, varying emotional needs and, and, and issues. And so that can make remote learning much more difficult. So difficulty concentrating, difficulty getting out of bed, difficulty, you know, with motivation. Um, So there are a lot of different challenges that they're facing. Yeah. The great thing about everything you just described and sort of teeing up your own experiences, you really do have all of the levels with, you know, you're experiencing elementary, middle and high school. Um, So how wonderful for our listeners, how challenging (laughs) for you. But what, let's do that. Let's break it down a little bit and give some tips um, sure. for each of those levels. So, yep. let, you know, for elementary, mm-hmm. uh, for those students who are feeling overwhelmed and like you said, you know, probably some anxiety coming out. Maybe they don't understand that that's what they're experiencing or maybe parents don't even realize that that's what they're experiencing. Right. But they, you know, are, like you said, heightened um, distraction, frustration, probably. What are some things parents can coach their students to do? I think it starts first with like just reminding everyone. <laughs> and I need this reminder all the time that this is not normal school. And so we have to sort of lower our expectations in terms of what we can accomplish um, and what the expectations are of us and of our students from the teachers, because the teachers very much understand how difficult this is. Yeah. You know, they, they're the ones who, who are trying to, you know, provide classes and provide instruction, but also many of them are dealing with this at home as well with their own children. So I do think they have a very unique perspective and understand when students are struggling um, and that there isn't judgment around that. Um, and so I think that that's sort of the first thing is to acknowledge that this is hard and it's not the same as regular school. And so if you see behaviors or expressions of anxiety or frustration more so than you 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 did in your child, you know, when when they were in school in person, um, that's that's normal right now. <laughs> um, 
And so I think for parents, you know, you know, apart from acknowledging that and realizing that and giving yourself a little bit of compassion and understanding, <laughs> one, one piece of it is following your child's lead. You know, obviously if they're getting very distracted or acting out that they may need more breaks, you know, than, than other kids. And, you know, that might mean talking to their teacher about it because, you know, you don't want them to appear like they're not in class or not you know, or that you're not having them in class. I do think that sometimes kids, especially younger kids, need more movement breaks, more time away from the screen. Um, they don't have the attention span that the older kids do. Um, and so I think that if you're seeing your kid like wiggle around a ton or get really frustrated or angry or like someone's, someone had described their kid like shutting the, the computer. <laughs> And it's like, well, okay, so they need a break. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I, think that, I think that's what they're telling you, you know? So I think that that's okay. And not to get like stressed out that you're doing something wrong yeah. um, or that they're doing something wrong in expressing that. I also think communication with the school is so important, both for myself, I have used it and I have encouraged parents in my work to you to, to reach out because you can start to feel very alone yeah. uh, in terms of like dealing with behaviors at home. And kids can feel like they don't know what the expectations are. They don't, you know, they're anxious about, you know, when are they going to be able to go back to school? My own daughter, you know, struggled with um, feeling like if she didn't get something done, her teacher was going to be mad at her when she went in for her hybrid days. Wow. And, you know, and so got would get very like anxious and then act out because yeah. of her anxiety. Yeah. And so it was really important for me to hear from the teacher that they don't want them to feel that way. And so if anything is making them feel that way, it's important to like stop them for a minute and say, it's okay. If you don't understand this problem and I, as the parent, because I'm working or because maybe it's something that I don't know how to do, can't help you, then it's okay not to do it. Man. And I think that's really important because we we're just so used to our kids, you know, going to school and doing their thing. You know, sometimes we help them with homework, but other than that, you know, it's sort of, you know, once they're in school, they're in school. And now they're with us. And so we feel this immense pressure, I think, sometimes to for them to do everything right or for us to help them do things right or do them on time. And it's just like, it's kind of like throw that all away. <laughs> because I think any amount of time you can get your kid in, you know, into the classroom or on the screen is good. And there are gonna be days when they're just gonna not do half of it. And that's okay, especially at an elementary middle school level. I feel like they have a lot of time before they're worrying about college, you know, like, yeah. so it's okay if they're not as ahead as they would have been if they were in person, you know, like, it's okay if they miss some days, it's okay if you need to take a break or go outside or like do something different for a little bit, you know, and I think the teachers get that too. You really just nailed three great tips that, you know, I just summarized really quickly for our listeners, you know, the first that Robin said was, give them breaks. And we talk a lot on this podcast about the need for brain breaks and mm -hmm. scheduling those in, making sure that it's, it's, that you're intentional and that you realize that that's needed. Um, and, you know, along with that, what you said is, is permission for that. It's, it's okay to take a break. Yeah. Um, so I love that that is the number one thing. Like that was the very first thing you said. Um, and then, you know, communication with the teacher. We also talk a lot about that and we've had other people guests on who are just, you know, say you got to communicate. 
And so what you just did though, is you so vividly explained number one, that it's necessary (laughs) to communicate (laughs) with the teachers right now and that they want the communication as well, because of, you know, like you said, that they don't want a child to feel this level of overwhelm or a parent to feel this level of overwhelm. And so what is the best way to squash that it's get on the phone, get on the video call, whatever it is, and just say, Hey, is this okay? And, and let the child see that it's okay. Um, from another, you know, that person, cause I can even think about those experiences, um, where you've got a child who, you know, you might say it, you're the parent and you might say it's okay, but but the teacher doesn't think that, you know, let the teacher tell them. Um, so that communication. And then I loved your third point really was like clarifying expectations. And that may also be in conversation with the teacher, you know, but just making sure that you are clear on, this is what we're doing now. This is what it looks like now. And yes, it looked different last year, but this is not last year. This is the new way. Right. Um, and you know, it's interesting because your connection with, like we were saying, um, families who are new to the U S or families who just don't even have never had kids in schools before what you were just describing as far as take the old and throw it out the window. It's almost like a silver lining for those families <laughs> because they don't have to relearn school, right? right? Like I'm sure it's still, that has its own challenges of course, but man, that's, maybe not a bad position to be in, in some ways, obviously not in every way, but, um, anything, anything in terms of insights in that regard that you want to share? So I think the difficulty that I see with, um, families who are new to the U S is that, you know, there just isn't a lot of the same, the familiarity and the comfort that we have here with, with technology, Mm. um, because it's not as widespread in other countries. And so, if we have students, especially coming from rural places in other countries, they often do have like almost no training in technology. And so we're asking them to then log on and use Zoom and use Google Classroom. And and so I think that can be very scary and challenging. And I think also working in an an urban district where, you know, we have pretty high levels of poverty. I think like I mentioned at the beginning, internet connection is also an issue. So someone might have internet in their home, but it may not be very fast or it may be sort of inadequate or that's serving a lot of people in the same building. So it can be very frustrating to not be able to log on because of that. You know, there are different challenges um, for folks who are struggling with well, those other sort of mm-hmm. obstacles. You're so right. Not having any training or skill in the technology side is a huge barrier. Yeah, that's, that's good insight. Okay, let's talk about the older kids. So we talked about the elementary and some tips for those um, children who might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the current situation. But what about some of the older? So maybe upper middle into high school, what are some things that you've seen um, that support students in that way? It's interesting. Once you get to sort of the middle school or upper middle school level, um, I think we see more more variance in how students are reacting to the remote model. So even though they're a minority, (laughs) there are some students who really seem to like this model, (laughs) you know, and that that work well independently, that like doing things on their own. Students also who deal with the anxiety of going out. So 
students with maybe not quite agoraphobia, but who have, who are less socialized or are less, who want to socialize less, yeah. seem to be really enjoying or benefiting from this model based on what they've said to me. And even my own son kind of really likes how this, how this is working. Um, but I think the vast majority of students, obviously, especially in middle school, when socialization is so important and so vital to them, um, it really is a challenge. So this is a, a way in which social media can can be a positive thing in terms of kids staying connected. I do think that they're, you know, getting good support from teachers and from their kind of school systems uh, to help them in doing, you know, in completing their work. But it is, I think, as they get older, it's more independent work. So something that I think is important to mention and, and, and definitely is more, I also think, more relevant for the older grades is, you know, students who are on individual individual education plans, IEPs, you know, really are really struggling yeah. um, because they're used to getting all sorts of supports in person. And now we are limited in how much support we can give just because we're remote, you know, not for any other reason. Um, and that it's really hard for them to learn in this format, many of them. What is working? Have you seen anything that's worked? I definitely think that those students who have goals on their IEP for, you know, social emotional services are continuing to receive those, you know, we meet Mm -hmm. with them on zoom or on the phone. We've had to get very creative (laughs) in terms of trying to reach students. And so we use, um, at my school, we use Instagram, the social workers, and we use um, texting, which we wouldn't have done in in person because, you know, it's, it's, you don't want to blur the lines too much in terms of boundaries, but, towards the end of last spring, we got pretty desperate when there were students that we couldn't reach, you know? And so we definitely have been pretty creative with how to get in touch with them. And that has worked. And in terms of other services, I do feel like the teachers are really doing their best to provide the same kinds of services on an, in an online classroom environment, you know, just as they would in a, in an in-person classroom environment. Yeah. And I was, so what's great about what you just described before thinking about, you know, parents who are listening, who, might really um, need to support the overwhelm or frustration or just this whole, like, it's so different. Like you just said, I have to meet with somebody that I've never met over Zoom. (laughs) It's just like how, you know, I guess awkward even versus overwhelm. Um, But for the parents who have children in that situation, it sounds like one of the things that you would say as a tip is just be aware of those opportunities, right? It's, and probably the same thing we just said for elementary communication with the school and communication with the staff. What does this look like now for my, my child? Um, What are the things that I can do to support at home? Just asking those questions that uh, I think what you said sort of at the very beginning of the, of this interview as far as we used to just ship our kids off to school and like, <laughs> make their thing. but now, you know, especially when you have high schoolers where that is absolutely your mentality by the time they get to high school, like you got it, it's your responsibility. Um, but if you have a child who might be feeling these, uh, these emotions and this, you know, just not being sure, reaching out and making sure that you're aware so that you can at least guide them. Um, to the right resources is probably critical right now. I think always, always communicating with the school is, is, is a good idea. I mean, for, for a number of different reasons, you know, certainly for your students, you know, education and make sure they're doing okay and see if there's any, you know, issues. 
Um, but also because, um, especially with social workers and guidance counselors, we often have resources for families, you know, families who are in need. Um, we know that a lot of families are struggling financially right now. And so, you know, sometimes you don't think of the school as a hub, but many times in many communities, in many communities, it is, you know, a hub for, for finding resources and services in the community. I definitely encourage parents who are struggling. You know, we know that our stress affects our kids and we want to be as healthy as we can be and feel as supported as we can be in order for our students to feel that way. Uh, any final tips that you can give for helping students who are feeling overwhelmed right now? And how can we sort of coach them, help them in this time? So just remembering that this is not normal. This is not what we're used to. We're not going to be able to respond and, and react to the same as we would um, in, a, in, in an in-person environment. I also think that practicing whatever your preferred form of self-care is really important. And that goes the same for little ones too. I mean, getting them outside, you know, ha- finding a way for them to talk to friends, um, whether that's on the phone or, you know, on Zoom or whatever, exercise, creative you know, stuff like writing, journaling, drawing, all of those things I think are really essential for them to, to you know, to, to stay healthy and to, to not be overwhelmed by this experience that we're having right now. <laughs> Keeping on a schedule is really important. And this goes more again for the older kids because not having to go into school can make it very hard to motivate to stay on a sleep schedule that's normal and eat normal meals because you're kind of at home all the time. (laughs) Just really trying to imagine that you are going into school every day and try to sleep and eat the way you would if that was your regular day. When we get out of whack and we're staying up too late or we're not eating well, it's really hard to stay focused and to motivate and to, you know, keep feeling like this is what I'm doing is important, you know, that this is part of my education, even if it feels very weird and different. Yeah. As parents, especially if they're home and you're off to your own job, that's such a critical one because I can see that being probably an unhealthy snowball really quickly. So parents pay attention there. If there's something that is becoming, like you said, out of whack, sleep, eating, exercise, getting out, just opening a window, whatever it needs to be. um, That's probably a really important thing for you to coach them. Yeah. And also I will always put in a plug for for, for contacting your social worker or contacting your doctor, you know, if you feel like you've been down and low for a really long time, or if you've seen signs in your kid that make you worried, yeah. never, ever hesitate to call your doctor or to, you know, if you think it's a, you know, an emotional thing and you have a relationship with a, with a social worker at your school, like definitely reach out. Well, Robin, we certainly, um, enjoyed this conversation. (laughs) And I know that our parents are going to take so much away from this. We're just so grateful. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of Overcoming Overwhelm. And that will be from the parent perspective. So thank you so much for joining us. Great tips in this episode. Thank you so much. So if this podcast is helpful to you, we would definitely appreciate your feedback. And remember, part two of Overcoming Overwhelm is next week. Please rate this episode and leave us a review. And we also invite you to connect with us. Email us your question at schoolhouse at studereducation.com and it might be featured on a future episode. That's schoolhouse at S-T-U-D-E-R-E-D-U-C-A-T-I-O-N dot com.